Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager. This is The Season with Peter Schrager. We're entering week seven of the NFL uh, season. And I got to tell you, Aaron, this was the most surprising of weeks we've had this year. But it's just, it's true to form. This is the NFL, any given Sunday. But you saw the 49ers who are unbeatable and averaging uh, a margin of victory of 20 points lose in Cleveland to a backup quarterback without Nick Chubb and without Joel Batonio. You saw Jalen Hurts strut into MetLife, take an early lead, and then throw th- three uncharacteristic interceptions and lose to the Jets. And then you saw the Detroit Lions go into Tampa, a team that everyone was high on, and just absolutely whoop them and beat them 20-6 to with Amon Ross St. Brown having a career day and those creamsicle uniforms um, just being splattered across that home field. Uh, fun, fun week to get some unexpected results. We go on to week seven, but I wanted to start the pod uh, this week with a personal note. Aaron, are you ready for me to reveal why I was away for a couple of days in late August filming something in Los Angeles? Yeah, we, we got to pay this off. This has been a long time coming. This is a secret, and we're now getting the reveal. So I get a call around August 15th from a production company saying, is there any way you can get off of Good Morning Football a week from now on the Monday uh, last week of August, to which I said, I need to know what the opportunity is. The answer is probably no. Good Morning Football does really good ratings in August, and the NFL Network puts a lot of eggs in the August basket because we're the only ones to show all the preseason games. Ratings are high. So if it's to, you know, do a, a spot on a reality show or, uh, gosh, if, if Gordon Ramsay wanted me to be a guest judge on Kitchen Nightmares, the answer is probably no. But this one was special. The production company was representing a certain show called Jeopardy. Aaron, no response. I'm waiting for a response. I, I, I'm, Nothing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, you want I'm waiting. more details? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they represent Jeopardy and... There was a writer's strike going on, and there was an actor's strike going on. I think uh, the term celebrity jeopardy was being tossed around very loosely at this time in Hollywood's... uh, They asked me if I wanted to come on Celebrity Jeopardy and compete as a contestant on Celebrity Jeopardy. Aaron, my lovely producer and friend, we've known each other now about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year. I grew up a Jeopardy kid. That makes total sense to me. I, I mean, <laughs> Is like, that a shocker? You, no, no. You, your ability to recall facts and numbers and names is uncanny. And this feels like exactly the kind of thing that you 
like, I don't know if you did Trivial Pursuit as a kid, but I have a feeling like you were in this from the beginning and Jeopardy is like 100% makes sense. I get it. There was a TV in my kitchen as a kid and we would sit down for dinner at 7 p.m. every night in Freehold, New Jersey. The TV was about the size of your laptop and we'd sit at a table. There'd be a little counter and then the TV was on. And my family, um, family four, wasn't much discussion about our feelings. It wasn't much discussion about how our vulnerabilities are and our failures and our strengths. It was more just be quiet. Let's listen to Trebek. And then if dinner goes on long enough, we might get a little wheel also. I mean, that's basically what it was. Every night, 7 p.m., Trebek, Jeopardy, old school. And then my brother and I would would retire from the the kitchen and we would go retire. We'd go to something called the computer room, which kids these days don't even know what that is, but it was the room where there was a computer. And we had a uh, Commodore 64 and eventually, I think, an Apple PE or was it Apple 2E? Is that what it was? Uh, I have have never heard these terms. Okay, the Commodore 64 was an old computer. Then we graduated to the Apple II, and then eventually we got a Dell. And if you know what Dell is, it was like, I got a Dell, dude, like the Dell guy. And we would play Jeopardy on the computer. Like, I didn't play Mario. I didn't play Tetris. We played Jeopardy, and it was like a pixelated version of Jeopardy on a floppy disk. And it was all sorts of characters. And then they would eventually come out with Sports Jeopardy, and I would play Sports Jeopardy. Um, So when I get the call to compete on Jeopardy, not only do I not ask my employers out of the gates, I just say yes. And I'm like, well, who wants to book the flight? Like I'm going, I'll lose my job. Like I don't, I'm going, like I'm doing this. Fortunately, I did ask our employers. They were cool enough to let me miss a show. I think I got that vacation day docked on the back end, but that's another conversation. We'll talk about that at some other date. Um, that said, I was in, but I was told I couldn't say a word. So here I am, and and there's so many things I have to go through, but I, with, with no further ado, I will tell you, the air date, when it is airing, is next Wednesday, October 25th. My episode of Celebrity Jeopardy, where I am a contestant, and it will air at, I believe... 8 o'clock Eastern. Not even that 7 o'clock garbage that we usually see it on. This is prime time, baby. And it's Celebrity Jeopardy. I'm allowed to tell you who I went against. And I'll tell you the story of how I found out who these people were. So they don't tell you who you're against. You show up. Now, let me ask you. If you fly in on a Sunday for a Monday filming of Jeopardy and you found out a couple days earlier, you would probably want to prepare somehow, right? Right, right. So Aaron, I ask you, if you were told in eight days you're going on Jeopardy, how would you prepare? Uh, I had no idea. I don't know how I would prepare if I was told in a year you're going on Jeopardy. There's no way to prepare for Jeopardy. You either know this stuff or not. And a lot of it's like, you know, we say white men can't jump, like words that start with the letter Q. Like it's a lot of it is puns and a lot of it is homonyms. So here was my thing. I'm like, I'm going to fly out. I'm on Delta. They've got Wi-Fi. I'm going to just take a look at the main thing. State capitals. Smart. uh, Geometry, like hexagon, rhombus. I'm getting down octagon. U.S. presidents. I'm pretty good good on them. But then when I looked at the Wikipedia page, I was not good on them. I'm like, (laughs) they better not ask anything from the year 1780 to 1990. Like, I thought I had it. I didn't. I didn't know about Fillmore's uh, thing. And I didn't want to go into it. And then I was like, okay, world history, world capitals, Olympic cities. Like, these are the things that, like, I am a little... So, uh, just, so just to be clear, on your flight to L.A., <laughs> yeah, you, studied, you studied geometry, state capitals, uh, presidents, world history. <laughs> this is a large list of things. All right. I have a photographic memory. I could see something and never forget it. So I'm like, if I just look at these things. I'll just have it in the back of my head and you know one of them will come up. I can tell you, rest assured, none of them! <laughs> seven hours. Seven hours on a flight. It's not like Scott Scott Hanson. Seven hours! <laughs> studying everything. All right, so let me finish. Let me get to the next thing. So I'm studying, I'm nervous, but then I'm like bored. Like I'm on the flight and I'm like, I don't know. So I think I watched like 
I think I watched like Remember the Fablemans instead. Is that what it was called? Oh, Fableman. Is it, yeah, Fablemans. Fablemans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it. But like I gave up really quickly in the studying. I was like, ancient Egypt facts fell asleep, literally fell asleep. I'm like, I'm screwed. I can't just like study the world. I can't, I don't know. I can't do it. I land and they put me up in a hotel in an area of LA called Culver City. Culver City is where the NFL Network used to be. I don't know anything about it, but I'm like, all right, I see there's a Roberta's Pizza there. They have one of those in Brooklyn. I'm like, all right, I'll go there for dinner. I get to Culver City and it's the only time it's ever rained in the history of LA, I think. It's pouring rain. And then they're freaking out that there's going to be a hurricane. So now I've got the stress of, all right, I'm in a hurricane in LA, which, you know, they're the kind of city where there's like a newscaster out there when it drizzles and it's like, what a, the city's shut down. So everyone's freaking out. I get to the hotel room and I, again, I'm like, do and I you study, study the names of different clouds? Because there's preseason to- football on. I'm like, do I want to look up Cumulus and Nimbius or whatever that is, you know? Um, and all of a sudden a alarm clock that's next to the hotel room starts shaking and falls off the nightstand. I'm like, what the hell? And then I see the TV is shit. Uh-oh. Earthquake! <laughs> a freaking earthquake! I'm like, a hurricane and an earthquake the Sunday that I arrive in LA to do Celebrity Jeopardy the following day. I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. I decide to uh, just you know just buckle down, go to sleep, and then they're like, "All right, your call time is two p.m. Call time for those of you in the uh, not in the entertainment business like me means that's when you've got to show up two p.m." So I have all, I'm on East Coast time. I wake up at like four thirty, wired coffee. Let's go, sunny as could be. I walk to some place, take a long walk, have breakfast. It was delicious. Um, walk back and I'm like just studying on my phone, like Wikipedia facts and looking at like uh, world leaders and facts about Bonaparte and then like World War II battles. Like I'm doing it. I'm trying. All this stuff was irrelevant. I then am like, all right, thinking about it nonstop, nervous. I get to the Sony lot where they're filming Jeopardy. Still don't know who you're against, no. right? And I walk in and they're filming the episode before me. Okay. And I'm watching it from like a small TV. And the episode before me was, uh, who was it? It was, I think I can give it away. I don't, if, 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 if it's, it's released. Yeah. Okay. Brian Baumgartner from The Office, who played Kevin, you know, spilling the chili. Kevin, who's a Packers fan. We should have him on the podcast. He's good. Um, you might need to Google this. Abbott Elementary. Lisa Ann Walter. Lisa Ann Walter, who was very nice. And then the third was, I want to say, um, Jonah from Veep. Timothy Simons. Yep. Tall guy, funny as hell. That's the trio before me. And I'm watching their match. And as I'm watching it, they're like, all right, we're going to take you to your trailer. I'm like, oh, I've never been in a trailer wow. before. Celebrity here. Hello. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think last year, nothing against those actors or me, but like last year was like Martin Short versus Jimmy Kimmel versus Meryl Streep. And now it's like me, like, (laughs) good morning football host, Peter Schrager on a cable channel. I'm not knocking it. I was very flattered and I'm honored to be there. Again, writer strike, acting strike, me. I pop into my trailer and they've got a thermos that says Celebrity Jeopardy. I'm like, can I keep this? They're like, yes. I'm like, hell yeah. They've got a t-shirt that says Celebrity Jeopardy. I'm like, can I keep this? They're like, yeah. (laughs) And then they had like all these snacks. I did damage before I went on Jeopardy. I was so nervous. I think I had an entire cheese plate. I think they had uh, prosciutto. They had capicola. They had some gabagool. I ate it all. (laughs) I had a full meat and cheese plate before I even stepped onto that thing. Then they're like, all right, put on a suit. I put on a suit. I'm ready. And they're like, all right, we're going to take you to makeup. Get to makeup. Really good looking guy is waiting for their makeup. And he's not in a suit. He's in like a cool, like satin jacket with like his muscles out. And I'm like, who's this guy? They're like, meet Adam Rodriguez. He's a, he was from CSI Miami. He's also in the Magic Mike films. And now I want to say he's in Criminal Minds. You might need to do a little resume search for me, a little Wikipedia, if you will. We've given Wikipedia enough love. Um, NCIS, one of those, like a CBS CSI Miami, Magic Mike. 
one and double XL and criminal minds. Yeah. yeah. So, and Adam's like right away, like this is like the most handsome person I've ever seen. He's a little bit older than me. He's uh he's competing against me. He's from Yonkers. So immediately we start talking New York and he's like, yeah, my best friend from high school. And like my best man at my wedding uh, played in the NFL. I'm like, Oh, who? And he's like, Keith Bullock. I'm like, Oh, Syracuse legend, Keith Bullock, Tennessee <laughs> Titans. And like my jeopardy mind. Cause it's like, yes, yes. He's like, yes, that's him. I'm like 13 tackles in one game playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1989? He's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. So we're hanging a little bit. And then in comes our third contestant. I don't know who it's going to be. And I see her face and I'm like, oh, I know exactly who that is. And there's no way that I am playing against this person in Celebrity Jeopardy because I also know she went to Harvard, is like Mensa and like works for the United Nations. Mira oh. Sorvino, the actress who was in Roby and Michelle's, of course, and then won an Oscar. What was the Woody Allen movie she won the Oscar um, for with her and Michael Rappaport and Woody? Uh, great movie. What? Look it up. Mira Sorvino. This is what we do on the podcast. I just come in and I just fire it at Aaron. Mighty Aphrodite. Mighty Aphrodite. Very good movie. 1990s Woody Allen. She, I think, was either nominated or won an Oscar for that role as Best Supporting Actress. She's fantastic in it. And I have since watched it since. Did she win? Best Supporting. She won actress. Best Supporting. Her father, the late Paul Sorvino, who, of course, is in goodfellas as the the top of the family in you know he's in prison and he's slicing the onions whatever it is anyway garlic or onions i forget um i so, guess that wasn't one of the questions in no, yeah yeah they didn't ask about her father so we get out there and they tell me hand me over your phone no phones allowed in the studio a because of the sanctity of the quiz show and mm -hmm. the laws and b I think there's a certain magic and a lore to that place. But Aaron, when I tell you, it felt like walking into like, you know, I'm picturing Field of Dreams in the corn stalks of Iowa and Shoeless Joe comes walking out there. Like, that's what I felt like walking into this thing. Uh, they have you write your name into the thing. Don't right. you always think like, how would I write my name on Jeopardy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went all caps lock. Thought that oh, was pretty cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I didn't go with Schrager or Shrags. I went with Peter, just my first yep. name. Yep. You know, I felt pretty good about that. And then they do a full round practice. Like warm up. Warm up. Oh. You've wow. got to get down the buzzer. Oh. And here is the big reveal the buzzer is everything. So here's how it works with the buzzer they'll say a factoid, say, number one, I heart podcast in NFL um, slash really trying hard to get to the Super Bowl and doing a live show from there. And you have to buzz in right away, but you have to buzz in after Ken Jennings finishes. Okay. You cannot buzz before. And if you, if you buzz in before he's finished with the clue, you're docked two seconds, you're locked out. And so when you see people hitting that buzzer, like da -da 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 -da, doing the buzzer, like that's because they're locked out. They're like, wait, why is it not working? Why is it not working? So timing on the buzzer oh. is everything. And you can't practice that at home. You can know all the factoids. You could tell me all of uh, you know King Henry's wives or whoever it is. And you could know everything about uh, you know Guadalajara. It doesn't matter if you can't get that buzzer in on time and wow. time it right. So it's like anticipating how long it takes him to finish his sentence. Yes. And then buzz. Oh. We go through the practice round. Sorvino's got it down. Her buzzer skills are insane. We go through a practice round. She's beep. What is uh, you know, Kim Jong Un? Beep. What is polio string cheese? <laughs> what is remember the Titans? Like she is on it. I'm psyched out. I needed like a moment. So I think I was the first person ever. They were like, we're about to start. Uh, everybody, I said, can I take a, a pee pee break? I went and I got microphone off. I had to just take some time. I didn't even have to go to the bathroom. I took a lap around that studio. I soaked it all in and then I straddled up and said, let's go. And then we did Celebrity Jeopardy. And guys, it airs next week. I will give you no more clues, no more hints. Let's just say me and Mira Servino and Adam Rodriguez had a clash for the ages. And I want you to watch. I encourage you to watch. And uh, with no further ado, let's get to our guest today. 
Aaron. Our guest today is the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. He is one of the best coaches in all of football. He's been running this unit for some time now, and he's got a story to tell. Lou and Arumo, right after this. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Aaron's. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. With no further ado, he's one of the top defensive minds in all of football. He's also a fantastic coach, and his team is coming off a triumphant Sunday and a big win against a very good Seattle Seahawks team. It is Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Lou, welcome to the season with Peter Schrager. Man, I'm happy to be here. Appreciate the introduction. Yeah, and let's start with Sunday. Uh, Four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, two interceptions. DK Metcalf and uh, Camp, Camp Taylor Britt getting into it a little bit, a little spicy. It was a must win for the Cincinnati Bengals and the defense led the way. How did your unit get into this one and what was the approach as you saw it all being executed on Sunday? Uh, it was, you know, it didn't start out great. You know, they did a good job of taking the ball and going right down the field. And you can see, um, you know, the bye week. They had a bye prior to coming in, so it was a couple of new wrinkles for them. But uh, once we settled in, you know, that was the only touchdown they scored uh, in the game. And, you know, our guys just executed in the red zone. And as you mentioned, you know, our our, our front four really, really did a great job pressuring Geno, and uh, it paid off in the end. Talk us through some of these players on this unit, because I think from a national perspective, they were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but there's been a lot of... Uh, I would say not a youth movement in the back end, but like at that Super Bowl team, it was Von Bell, it was Eli Apple, it was, the, and now there's these young guys. I mentioned Taylor Britt, but he's not the only one. Yeah, no, you know, we got uh, rookie DJ Turner, you know, Cheeto Wuzier has been injured and uh, DJ's come in and, uh, you know, getting better with each game. We signed Nick uh, Scott free agency from the Rams and then uh, as a safety and Dax Hill playing another, uh, taking really Jesse Bates's role. Uh, he stepped in and, and then Jordan Battle, a rookie, another rookie from uh, Alabama. So, you know, I don't have a lot of gray hair, but I'm getting some more each game. I was going to say, right? I mean, is that is that the is that still the challenge I could see up in the morning? They're like, all right, we have a new fresh fresh blood, and we've got to throw him in there. And guess what? You're covering Tyler Lockett. Go. Do you get excited by that? Is that the challenge I 
gets you out of bed in the morning? The, the good news is, you know, they definitely present challenges. <laughs> you know, these guys, it's just so different for the young guys coming in from college these days. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it provides uh, it provides us uh, more opportunity to make sure we're, as coaches, staying on, you know, dotting our I's, crossing the T's, all that stuff, because, uh, it's such a different game, and you're playing against uh, guys that have done it for a long time. You mentioned Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and man, Cam, you know, kind of, you know, took it to him, and I was happy and proud to see it. Uh, this this Bengals team again, zero two to start. Everyone's saying they're done. Burrow can't move, and yet here we are, bye week three and three. What do you know? Bengals in the driver's seat, just like they usually are at this point, and feeling a little bit better than they did in September. Uh, did you have any doubts, or you knew that this team could bounce back despite the zero two start? I mean, we've got such great resolve with the players that we have. You know, I I, I kind of uh, stole a phrase that the my my beloved Yankees were used to use and you know the core four uh you know and and it came to play this weekend where it's the last drive of the game and I, I go over the BJ Hill DJ Reader Sam uh, Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson and I and they were gassed now uh at the end of the game and I said you know I was thinking about for a minute putting some fresh legs in there and I I check myself quick and said, you four, I, w- I don't want anybody else in the game besides you guys, and let's go win the game. And they did what they did. And uh, those guys are kind of our, they, they drive this ship on our side. And um, man, they, they didn't flinch in the beginning of the year. You know, again, with the great veteran leadership that they have, they know who we are. They know what we've done and what we've accomplished at, you know, a high level. And, and it's just a matter of time before we put it all together. That's your Jorge Posada, your Mariano Rivera, your Jeter, and your who was the last one? Bernie, I would imagine, or do we go Tino no, Martinez? Bernie, right? It's got to be Bernie. It's not. It's who is it? Who's the fourth? It's Pettit. Pettit. Okay, Bernie, Bernie was Pettit. before them. Bernie. La- okay. All right. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised when I looked it back up. That's you it. Know. The core four. Uh, I think of Sam Hubbard. He's like such a local guy, and he represents everything about this Bengals team. And whether it be the Ohio State roots or the Cincinnati roots, and the play he made last year in the wild card round is really the play that most people know him from. But every day this guy brings it. And I, I watch football. I don't. If, I'm not sure everyone outside of Cincinnati knows just just what type of player and man that Sam Hubbard is for that defense. Well, he's terrific. When they introduce him here, when they do introduce the defense, you know, and the uh, the guy, the public address announcer starts it with Cincinnati's own, you know, and then Sam Hubbard, and it 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 he is what we are. And you mentioned, uh, I mean, the guy played 64 plays the other day, uh, had a ton of production, hit the quarterback six times, um, you know, and just a a great. He's been a great run defender for us for years. He's got a you know a heck of a pass rush game. So. He's everything we're all about. And, um, you know, you go back to the AFC Championship game two years ago, and, you know, he's the one that's kind of getting after Mahomes uh, on that crucial third down stop to, to force them to kick the field goal to get into yeah. the, uh, to get in overtime and eventually win the game. So Sam's, Sam's done so much for us and uh, a great community guy, and uh, uh, we just love him. We're going to go backwards. We're going to go through your career a little bit, but let's let's go just a couple years backwards. That Super Bowl run and then the AFC Championship run. When you got to Cincinnati, it was it was you, Zach, and it was obviously Callahan as the offensive group. But like things were not things were not humming if, by any means. And of course, there had been some good seasons, but no wins in the playoffs. Nothing in recent years. Take us back just the last, I would say, twenty four months, and just how far this franchise has come in the last couple of years alone. Well, we're, you know, as you mentioned, Zach and Callie just doing such a great job and uh, on, on uh, respective, you know, Zach is the head coach and Brian is the coordinator on offense. But <laughs> it's so satisfying as a, as a coach and, and some of the players that have been here from the beginning when we got here in 2019. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, Marvin had done a great job and, and had uh, really good success. And we just uh, we the team that we inherited uh, a little bit older. Uh, you know, we knew we had to turn the roster over to a degree, and um, those guys had done great things here for Cincinnati, and we just knew that, um, you know, it was our time to get some new guys in here and um, and to go through that whole thing and, you know, first playoff win in 30-some-odd years, and then, oh, by the way, you get the first road playoff win in, in team history. Ever. Uh, all those firsts, uh, you're just very, very proud uh, to be a part of it. 
Yeah, it's, it's and I've, I love, I'm so proud of you and so happy for your unit as you guys have always held up your end of the bargain. Um, let's go back your coaching journey. 1989, we go to the, the fine borough of Staten Island and the running backs coach at Wagner is Lou Anaruma. What led you to Wagner? And I know you're a Staten Island guy, so just take us through how you even thought that this could possibly be a career coming from Staten Island, which is not exactly a football hotbed, <laughs> if, if I may say so. No, you're good. Um, just, uh, you know, my dad was a, a high school basketball coach growing up, so I was always kind of around it. He played college basketball at Wagner and was a principal and kind of, so I always knew I wanted to teach and coach. Um, and then one thing led to another, you know, never had a great stellar career playing wise. Uh, but, uh, I always knew I still wanted to be around it. And one thing led to another, I got my first big break when, you know, Dick McPherson called and I was able to, to be a, a GA, um, at Syracuse. Uh, where I worked for Coach Mack and then Coach Pasqualoni and kind of everything gone from there was just, you know, a step. Uh, I thought I think I went about it the right way. I've coached at all levels, you know, from Marshall to Harvard to Purdue, you know, and then on to the NFL. So uh, great, great experiences along the way. And I, and I think that that's uh, one of the things that uh, I think is a, uh, is a missing art these days where, you know, you learn more what not to do along the way. Uh, and how to coach different types of people all along the way, whether it be a non-scholarship player or an elite athlete in the NFL. So I feel like I got the best of all worlds and I, I wouldn't change my career path for anything. I love it. And so you go from Wagner to Cuse and then this is a cool one. U.S. Merchant Marine Academy as a defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach. Those are young men and women who are going there for a different reason than to become NFL players. And yet you, as a coach, you're going to get the best of them and you're going to see a probably different type of individual than you might anywhere else. What was that experience like coaching at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy? It was unbelievable because these guys are not only going through training camp, but they're also going through what they call their plebe year where they're squaring corners and, uh, you know, getting up at dawn to go for runs. And, and oh, by the way, you don't have those guys in the offseason because they're going out to sea for six months to learn their what they're going to do Come as, on. A, as a career. And, oh, by the way, we won a bunch of games, you know. So, again, you learn how to manage your time, manage those type of people that, that have, a, a you know, a greater goal, really. But at the end of the day, they when football season came around, that's what they were all about. It was really, re really unique. You know, the the experience of being there, I, f I remember talking to, I forget which player it was, but someone came out of the Citadel and was playing in the NFL. And of course we have our army and our Navy guys, but there is something different about coaching those young men and women, because like I said, the priority is, of course, football when you're on the field, but there is such a different thing going on. Did you have to bend and kind of adjust your coaching style knowing that yes, they might be disciplined, but this is not their top priority as why they're here at school? Well, 100%. I was a super, I was super young back then, just learning uh, how I was going to, you know, become as a coach. And and again, as I mentioned earlier, you learn so much of, uh, you know, the things you want to do. And then, well, maybe we can't quite do as much uh, with guys that, uh, you know, just coming from Syracuse, we had all these great defenses, but, you know, you're getting these guys in between their, uh, you know, uh, engineering classes and trying to install a game plan uh, is very challenging. Same thing at Harvard, you know, when I coached at Harvard for all those years, and I still stay in touch with a bunch of those guys. And we had really good players there. You know, Matt Burke, who played center yeah, NFL. for uh, Vikings for a long time. The Isaiah Ravens, Kendall. yep. Yeah, uh, you know, so we had a bunch of guys while I was there. Uh, I just missed Fitz. Uh, he had uh, just after me. But again, another situation where I'll never forget. I'm in a in a meeting, in a defensive back meeting, and I think I said, you know, this stuff isn't rocket science. And I was like thinking to myself, like, anybody here like doing any of that? Kind of stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be going of, to NASA. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of am coach. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so cool. Cool stuff for sure. The, okay, so I live in New York and I'm a huge comedy nerd. And Colin Jost is the head writer for Saturday Night Live. He's mm -hmm. a Staten Island native. And he went to Harvard as and was a part of the Lampoon, all that. I have to think you two might be the only pipeline of Staten Island to Harvard. What's it like when you get plopped in uh, to that Harvard and you're all of a sudden with world dignitaries and you're in that kind of... Was that an adjustment going to the Ivy League and dealing with that for, what, six years you were there? Yeah, it was, it was quite the adjustment, especially going on some of those home visits, uh, 
you know, all over the country. It was great. Again, another great experience because I got to nationally recruit as a young coach where which helped me out later on. And, uh, you know, you're going all over the place and you're meeting uh, all types of different people. And, um, yeah, it was it was uh, walking around the, the hallowed halls of Harvard uh, as a Staten Island guy was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you go to Marshall for several years. I guess that's during the Leftwich years, I guess you were at yeah. Marshall. Yeah, Byron was a quarterback. We we won a ton of games. Uh, I was on the sideline when they carried him down the field. He was getting carried in the bowl game, yeah. yeah. It was, it was uh, I don't know, minus 12 in the rubber bowl against uh, Akron that day. I mean, it was freezing. And, you know, Byron, it just tells you all about Byron, what, what a kind of – he was about to be a top 10 pick in the draft. And I'll never forget, they asked him after the game, they said, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, you know, weren't you worried about your family and and uh, what's about to come?" He goes, "My family was out on the field." And yes, I what an answer! <laughs> I was Byron Leftwich to a T, and I love Byron till today. That's awesome. Uh, then Purdue, and then you're stacking up years and years and years, and then there's a call, 2012, Miami Dolphins. Um, who made the call? How'd that come about? And then after putting in decades at the college level, what made you finally take the leap to get into the big leagues? So it's, it's, I, it had always been a goal, you know, all the years in college, I, uh, you know, I would always go visit NFL places. I would come to Cincinnati. Kevin Coyle was a friend and I would come here and see, see those guys with Zim and Marvin. Um, you know, I, I made a, had an interview, I wasn't ready to get the job probably in 2004 or five with Monty Kiffin down in Tampa to be oh, the wow. coach. Yeah. And Monty and I, a lot of my stuff, you know, the, 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 uh, our stuff, I should say the your core stuff of the fundamentals of just playing football, you know, got a chance to talk to Monty for years to come after that. We came good friends and talking ball and, um, and that was a great experience. John was the head coach and Rich Versace was in the room. Joe Barry was in the room. So a lot of guys that, uh, you know, people know. And, and uh, I, again, another great experience. But, yeah, so Joe Philbin and I worked okay. together at two colleges. We worked together at the U.S. MMA, United States Merchant Marine Academy. Wow. And we also worked together at Harvard. So you talk about connections. And then Kevin Coyle was the defensive coordinator. Kevin and I know each other for a long time, um, so it kind of just worked out. You get there 2012. What was that leap like, and what was your first welcome to the NFL moment as a coach? You know, it was, it was uh, you know, I remember Kevin saying something to me about, you know, hey, these guys are different than the college guys. You know, you got to make sure you approach it the right way. And, and But I really didn't – I didn't really see it as a big adjustment. I just was always just me, and I've never in my life, knock on wood, had a problem – with my players ever. Um, and when there is a problem, we sit down and we talk about it, but I didn't see it as a huge adjustment. Just, uh, you know, it was just another, another group of guys that wanted to be coached. And, um, and as long as you're around players like that, you know, you'll get the best at them. And, uh, it, it worked out. Okay. And then you're there for a while and there's a homecoming of sorts. You jump for a job in 2018 and you come to the New York Giants wearing uh, the big blue jerseys. And of course, that's in the backyard of Staten Island, only a few miles away. DB's coach. Who was the coach? Was that McAdoo? Who was the coach there when you were there with them? Pat Shermer. Uh, Pat with, Shermer. I was with Pat. You know, we, we left, you know, when, um, when Joe Philbin was fired down in Miami, Dan Campbell was the interim head coach. And Dan uh, named me the defensive coordinator and Zach the offensive coordinator. Um, so it's small world, right? Think about that right now. Dan Campbell was the head coach. Zach Taylor was the offensive coordinator. And you were the defensive coordinator. You look at those three names right now and you go through it. Campbell's maybe got the best team in football with the Lions. And then you and Zach are together with the Bengals. How cool is that? You know, by the way, Ben Johnson's floating around the building too. <laughs> He's the mastermind offensive coordinator in Detroit. Yeah. This is, but this is like... That team was a forgettable team. No offense to those guys, but like no one's writing books about the 2015 Miami Dolphins. And here we are. There's all that talent in the coaching ranks, similar to the 2011 Washington Redskins that we talk about, or the you know mid 2000s uh, Buccaneers, like you were talking about. There's just all these young coaches, and it's almost like an incubator. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, we always used to. That's how Zach and I became so close. Is during the, those years in Miami. You know, he'd come down to my office, or I'd go down to his office, and just hey, what are these guys trying to do? And you know, and, and that's how you build friendships. And, um, you know, you get to know who, you know, Hey, I really, we have the same way of thinking about things and our philosophies are the same. And, uh, so yeah, so we move on to the giants, which was, uh, 
you know, I mean, I grew up a giant fan. I grew up watching Lawrence Taylor and Phil Sims and all those guys. It was, it was, it was awesome. I actually, my family stayed in Miami because uh, my kids were finishing high school and stuff. And I'll never forget, like I moved back into, you know, I could say it now. <laughs> I moved back into the same house, the same room I grew up in. On no. Staten Island. I moved until I ended up obviously got my own place. How I, long were you there in your old parents' house? Correct. Uh, uh, it was about two months. Uh, well, we got Farrah Fawcett posters. What are we dealing with here? We got Atari, uh, Atari and Nintendo. What do we got? Thank God mom had cleared out most of that stuff <laughs> and it was a guest room. But I will say this. She was like, you know, what time are you going to be home for dinner? I said, <laughs> I said, I'm not. <laughs> you, you got kids in high school. I got, what time you got dinner? Okay, your curfew is this. It was, it was absolutely classic, but we finally found a place to stay. And, and, uh, but it was a great two months. I did, I did get some great meals and I packed on about 15 pounds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Home cooking. Awesome. Yeah. Um, before we move on, Dan Campbell, did you know then that this guy had it? Yeah, I love Dan. You know, Dan is and he hasn't changed the lick. And that's the great thing about Dan. I think myself and Zach very similar in terms of while our approaches may be different, um, we have none of us have changed our personality. And I think Dan has remained. He's always been that way. He was always that way as a tight end coach. And, um, you know, we saw it uh, for that, you know, 12 games we had, you know, we had most of the year that year uh, as a head coach, we saw how, how he would be. And, uh, you know, the players rallied around him and us right away. Uh, and, and it was, it was great. He's yeah. Great. Do you have a good Dan Campbell story? Sorry to go on the Dan Campbell uh, tangent here. People yeah, no, love the good. content. You're give good. me a Dan, give me the, the Dan, okay. You're in an elevator you're at a dinner party. They're like, Oh, you worked with Dan Campbell. Give me a story. What do you got? Well, I, I'll give you the, I'll give you a, a locker room story. Nothing weird or anything, but <laughs> So he, he knows me and I know him. Right. So I would come in. We'd come in about the same time in the morning. Um, we'd end up in the, you know, just putting our coaching gear on. And uh, he would you know, I'm not the happiest guy in the morning. I'm a little grumpy. And, he, and Dan's always ready to go. So he would say, oh, he would look at the clock, and say, oh, can't talk to Lou. It's not past 730. He doesn't talk to anybody and just break my, you know what, the whole way through. So uh, we still talk about that today. I never call He never calls me in the morning because he knows I'm not picking it up. He knows better. <laughs> I love that. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, he can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. 
Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. All right, and then your name starts getting hot and you get to Cincinnati. You're running this defense and the last couple off seasons, you've interviewed for head coaching jobs. What's your approach to those interviews? And uh, the Giants were one I know. Arizona, you got down to the wire last year. When you go in there for those coaching jobs, what is your message to these owners? And I have no doubt you will be a head coach in the coming years if you want to be. But what's it like going in for those interviews? And what's your why they should hire Coach Luana Ramon? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, you know, to me, I think at the end of the day, what moves people, what moves teams, and and it's it's how you get these players uh, and how you get them to do things on a consistent basis and how you motivate them. This is a uh, ultimate, as we all know, an ultimate team game and team sport. But uh, unless you can grab each and every one of the guys on the team at all positions. And I think um, I've been able to, that's one of my strengths. It's my biggest strength is that I've never had an issue of uh, making sure that we come together as a group come together as a team and ultimately that's what the head coach of a team should be is a guy that can get guys uh, to, to move towards a common goal and do it in a way that they know that there's a great amount of respect on both sides you know I've always had I've always done a good job of that and always done a uh, had a way with players um, and ma- make sure we're managing them the right way and and at the end of the day you know you just listen to some of the things that they say you know I'm not an ego guy or anything like that mm-hmm. but our guys play for us over here, and, and they always have. And to me, that's the sign of a, of, a, of a good coach is that you get your guys to do uh, things consistently. Yeah, and you guys play, and you mentioned that core four. Uh, I watch these Bengals games. Those guys are so dialed into you. Um, the connection you have with Trey Hendrickson, can you talk about that guy? Because I feel like he's the most underrated pass rusher in the sport, and just week in, week out, he's causing trouble. And we never talk about him in the same conversation as a Miles Garrett or a Bosa or even now Max Crosby. It's amazing, um, you know, some of the things. And DJ Reader kind of in the same light in a different way in the run game. But Trey is just a phenomenal, phenomenal pass rusher. He is always around the quarterback uh you know the, the amount of hits the the uh false starts the holding calls he's had three or four sacks taken away this year uh because of penalties on third down or else he'd be leading the league so um just a relentless guy and his approach to the game and his is in his approach to how he pass rushes but within this framework of what we're doing on defense, which is rare to find these days. And I think to me, again, that's that's one of the reasons why we've been good on defense is it's it's a it's a collective effort. It's not just one guy trying to do more than he's supposed to do. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, we don't feel like we've got a, a bunch of stars. We've got a bunch of really good football players that play together as one. Yeah, and it's just what it is when you're playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, with the exception of maybe Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. It's just it, these are not superstar. You know, it's not Dallas. It's not the Giants. It's it's not necessarily one of these franchises that gets the same light because historically they haven't. And yet, it doesn't seem like your defensive players cry about that or even seem to care. No, they 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 are a prideful group. Number one, I'll tell you that. And we just kind of qu- quietly go about our business. And we know, like the other day during the game, I I hear DJ Reader behind me just put the ball down again. Let's go. Let's get another stop. Let's get another stop. There's never any. Uh, varying from that and um, that's rare in today's NFL and I think again it's a a part of the culture uh, that Zach's built as a team and what we've tried to do here on defense and uh, we can control what we can control and a lot of people say that but we demonstrate it and uh, you know you can see it by how we what we've done in the biggest games. Go around the division real quick, because I think that's the most heated division when it comes to rivalry games. And I feel like none of those teams like each other. None of no. you guys want to lose to the other one. And none of them want to see the other teams beat the other ones. Like, no. I, I think about even the Bengals. Like, the dynamic between the Bengals and the Ravens is very interesting in recent years. When you guys were down, the Ravens were, were dancing on the graves. And then when you guys had a chance a couple of years ago, you poured it on the Ravens pretty bad. And it's there's no love there. Uh, Steelers, of course. The Browns, for whatever reason, could continue to win against you guys and then it's like a round robin everyone just seems to beat the other teams 
Those division games in the AFC North, now that you've been there for several years, just how significant are those matchups? Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, you go back to last year's playoffs, and I felt like we played the Ravens 15 weeks in a row. I mean, <laughs> right, the last game of the season, then right in the wild card. God. And, you know, we all know what we're getting into when we, you know, strap it up against those guys. Uh, or the, as you mentioned, the Steelers, and as you mentioned, the Browns have kind of had our number a little bit. But, um, you know, it's it's fierce competitiveness. It's like, you know, we used to have this great rivalry, uh, uh, a Thanksgiving Day game in high school where you got two neighbors yeah. that are going to go against each other. That's how every one of these games are. And, and you know it's going to usually come down right to the end. And But they are tough. Everything I heard about the AFC North uh, is, is true. You know, you're going to come in here and, uh, you know, as I tell our guys, the only adjustments we're going to have to make is to tighten our chin strap. And let's right. go. Yeah. Uh, last year, after the AFC Championship game, there was the late hit call, and everyone's there, and there was the clip of Pratt talking in the locker room, and that could blow up a lot of teams. Yeah. It seemed like it didn't affect the Cincinnati Bengals. What was the conversations afterwards, aside Pratt, and then, of course, the late hit call in itself, um, that, that really was kind of a non-issue once the season started? So I think uh, it's, it's a great question, and uh, I actually used it on my uh, interview in Arizona, um, and because it was a moment where, you know, Jermaine is an emotional guy, and that's an emotional moment at the highest level. We're three points away from going to back-to-back Super Bowls. And so he said what he said, but the next day in the locker room, Jermaine is basically crying and saying, you know, it's my fault. I was, you know, I shouldn't have said what I said. You know, Joe is part of the reasons why we got to this point and just squashed it immediately without, I didn't have to say nothing to him. Zach didn't have to say anything to him. It was just a heated moment, but but it was squashed right away. And oh, by the way, BJ Hill has his arm around Joseph, who's crying in the locker room because he obviously didn't want to do that. It's terrible, yeah. Um, and just said no more questions for him i'll answer his questions today and so again to me i, I showed that i had all i, I had my i get emotional i get emotional yeah. you talking about it yeah, it's it was and i felt the need to like well how do you how do you show culture how do you what's your way of changing our culture well here here it is let me show you uh and and these guys want to you know they want to not only play for each other but they're going to stand up for each other in the most heated moments. You know, when everything's going good and you're winning games, anybody can be the head coach. OK, it's when you have gone through what we've gone through here from five years ago to where we are now um, and, and all of the steps away, both positively and negatively, that you really know what is needed to be done to change a team around. That's beautiful. Um, all right, we do a little rapid fire here to wrap things up. I love talking to you. I could talk to you for an hour. You don't have an hour. You're doing a <laughs> solid and giving me some time. You're preparing oh, for your good. next game. You've coached for many years, NFL, college. Who's the offensive player that you would say is just an absolute freak that you prepare for night and day, and then they get out there, and it's like, could be active, could be current, could be former. You're just like, holy crap, I, there is no answer for when this guy is on his game. I mean, there's a, there's there's some ones that uh, you know. I go back to Calvin Johnson. We were trying to get ready for him at uh, when he was at Detroit, and it's like, okay, what do we do? You know, <laughs> thank God I had thank God I had Brent Grimes where he could like jump through the roof when just, he made that great one. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, great one. But but he had Brent was hanging all over him on another mm-hmm. where he caught a touchdown on him, and he couldn't get you know kind of get through to him. But I mean that that from a wide receiver standpoint, I he was damn near impossible. You know, we've got Lamar in our division that we have to face twice and uh just a you know, just a he's the best athlete on the field uh when he's out there. But uh there there's there's so many. Those are the two that come to mind. You know, we're gonna see one in two weeks, you know, the running back at San Francisco who's pretty good, you know. McCaffrey's pretty good. <laughs> So there's a lot of them, um, you know, and um, I'm just fortunate uh, we can always draw back on some of those great matchups that we've had to try to help our guys, you know, get through. And I think, you know, um, you know, you know, an example would be Cam Taylor Britt from last week going yeah. up against DK, and you know, I had showed him some clips of when we played Julio Jones back in the day, and um, and he said, listen, you know, 
here's a size difference, but it doesn't matter if you play with proper technique and this, that, and the other thing. How's that work? So I love that. So Camp Taylor Britt, second year guy, you know, SEC guy, he's you know, talented everything. Does he know who Julio Jones is? Did he grow up watching Julio? And you're like, look, your receiver is DK Metcalf. You know him. But here's Julio Jones, and here's how you would defend a guy who's arguably the greatest of his generation. And is he like, all right, I'll go watch tape of Julio? Or is he like, get out of here, coach. I'm watching DK Metcalf, or I don't want to deal with it at all. No, he's like a sponge. He wants to he wants to learn and hear everything. I just showed him a couple of clips when we played him uh, probably 2013, I think it was. Um when he was Atlanta, you know, at his height of his game. Wrecking shop, yeah. And we, we had a couple of good plays against him. Now, there were some bad ones I didn't show him. but Of course, hide that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bury that tape. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he, uh, he, Cam listens to everything. But I, I just think it's, it's great when you can show former players against great players and really some of the similar things that we're doing now. All right, a couple more. Your favorite uh, defensive player in the history of the sport. You mentioned you were a fan of LT growing up, but as a mastermind of defense who has been doing this since 1989 coaching football, who is your prototype? You say defensive player, give me this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to say LT. I mean, that would be, you know, the the, the one. I mean, I've been around some great rushers. Uh, I'll tell about the guys that I've been around. You know, I mean, Again, a quiet guy that probably doesn't get as much. Can I guess? Can I guess who it's going to be? Go ahead. You're going to say Cam Wake. Cam Wake, 100%. Let's go. Give Cam Wake his flowers. Gets no love. No love. The guy, you know, there's only about 30 some odd guys in the NFL that have over 100 sacks in their career. It may be more now. Last time I checked, it was in the 30s. I mean, 30 guys ever. And Cam is one of those. Now, Cam used to sit next to me for six years in the team meeting. So he's my guy. But I've never seen... A guy rush as consistent as Cam and as as powerful as he was and how he affected games, you know. So, giving me a guy, I mean, I, I just want to tell all Lord day. Tell I get it. Um, all right, last one. Coolest non-football person that you've got to come across that you've got to spend time with, whether it be a celebrity, a legendary leader, uh, someone in the business world that this this career has led to where, hey, I get the opportunity to meet this person as well. Um, yeah, let's see. So I would say, um, you know, just some of my Harvard buddies that I used to coach are now very prominent people around the in the business world and other things. So Jay Snowden, who's the CEO of uh, Penn Gaming, um, <laughs> uh, Jay and I played some golf this summer and uh, he introduced me to a few people. But when you're around when you're around guys like that and the, and the reach that they have and the way they talk about the people that they talk about, it's pretty cool. And, and just listening to how a guy like that, um, how build a company, yeah, it's... how they build a company, how they manage their employees, how all of that. And we, not only do we play golf, but you know, you, you're just sitting there and we're going back and forth. Cause when I was coaching him, it was probably about a six year age difference. I don't know, six, eight years. What, what position was he in college? Jay was a quarterback that we turned into it. I wanted as a safety in his last two years, he played safety for me. And he ends up selling uh, Penn Gaming or the rights to Penn to ESPN for about a billion dollars, like yeah. last week or something. And that's not bad. No, not not a bad day at the office. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's when not I, bad. When I asked him, like, are you coming to the game this week? I don't want to hear any, you know, BS. <laughs> uh, you can't, you know, can't get a flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? I love this. You go down these Harvard walls, you're probably having all sorts of different people. I love this this image of you as a football coach of all these guys. Well, we had, I tell you what, uh, we did have uh, Warren Buffett walk through the halls of uh, the Miami <laughs> Dolphin facility. Did one. he have a Coke? What was he drinking? The, the story is he has every day he starts with a Coke. I think that's, I bet you he's not drinking Coke. I, I didn't see that, but I did see it. <laughs> I, I don't, this is not like, I'm not telling him he was in pregame. Isn't he friends with Sue? Is that what it was? Like him Correct. and Sue were boys? Yeah. Correct. So he was in pregame with shoulder pads and, no. and a studio gun. Go find the tape. It's out there somewhere. W Warren Buffett wearing shoulder pads. And a helmet. And uh, Indomitian Sue jersey after Mike Tannenbaum just signed Sue for the biggest contract of all time. Yes, sir. I, yes, sir. I witnessed it. Do you ask Buffett anything, or you just kind of sheepishly nod your head? I was like, I, "Is that really what is? Am I dreaming? Like, what is going on right now?" As we're getting ready to play somebody, I'm like, "Is that really Warren Buffett in a in a Halloween costume, essentially?" 
And it was. Uh, yeah. All right. My last one is very personal to you. Uh, Saturday Night Fever is a movie from the 70s. <laughs> Anyone who knows anything immediately says about Staten Island, oh, like Saturday Night Fever. You had to answer those questions your entire childhood, I'm sure, right through college and right through the pros. It's probably a dated reference now. I think Staten Island's having a little resurgence right now. You got you doing this at the NFL level. You got Pete Davidson. You got Colin Jotes. You got the Impractical Jokers. I feel like Staten Island's having a moment. How proud are you of Staten Island? And take this moment here to to tell all those Manhattan snobs that you know what you're not the only show in town. Yeah, no doubt. We've always felt like the forgotten borough. When I tell people that I'm from New York City, they, they well, where? I'm like, well, Staten Island. And they're like, no, 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 it's not New York. No, I said, it is. There's five boroughs and we're one of them. Um, but no, I, uh, you know, I love growing up there. It's part of, again, uh, who I am and what, you know, I'll never forget. I was going to probably fifth or sixth grade, standing on a city bus, waiting for the city bus to go. And, you know, you're getting on that bus with all types of different people. And it's it that's one scenario, but that's made me who I am today. And I wouldn't want to grow grown up anywhere else around. The, I have, still have great friends from there. And, um, you know, most of my family lives there still. Um, and, um, you know, I go right back to Danino's Pizza every time I go. Come on, so. talk about it. Danino's Pizza. Uh, were you a ferry guy into the city or do you take the Verrazano bridge? Uh, more of the, more of the bridge ferry yeah. every now and again, but, uh, uh, yeah, I was more of a, more of a go over the Verrazano. Okay. Are you into the impractical jokers? Do you know their work? So I do. Um, I, I watch them. They're funny. Uh, my, my son, uh, when okay. I went to the giants, he transferred to, from St. Thomas Aquinas down in Fort Lauderdale to Farrell, Monsignor Farrell. And my brother-in-law, went to college or went to Farrell, I guess, at the same time when those guys were there. So uh, funny story, a bunch of uh, Farrell guys came to this past game against um, the Seahawks. Seattle, really? Yeah, they were wearing Farrell uh, (laughs) pullovers. And they got asked like five, six times, like, hey, isn't that where the Impractical Jokers are from? So there you go. But yeah, we, we've got, we're getting a little bit of a name for ourselves, for sure. I love it. Dude, thank you. And the Bengals have a name for them. How's that transition? The Bengals are making a name for themselves. You guys are already well on the scene. I, you know my feelings about you. You've seen me talk about you on TV, but also just in our interactions. I think you're the best of the best. And I I, it means it. so much to me that you would come on the podcast. And from the Merchant Marine Academy to now the top of the game in the NFL, it's been a pretty cool story, dude. Uh, no, I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. And uh, we're just looking forward to keep this thing rolling, man. I appreciate it. That's the approach. Guys, Lou Anarumo, defensive coordinator of the Bengals and a head coach of your team in the next couple of years. We appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Thank you. Aaron, Coach Luana Rumo. I, I feel like these guys come on and you walk away and you're like, all right, hire him for my head coaching job. I don't know how Arizona walked out of that meeting and wasn't like, yes, he's our guy. Now, Gannon's been great, but I love Lou and I think his unit always ends up playing well. And that's with a rotating uh, bunch of names at that defensive back position, which is not an easy position to fill, especially with young guys in that conference. Yeah, and like he was saying, I mean, they don't have a big star. They don't have Aaron Donald. They just have a group of guys that are all great and working together. And that's one of the things that makes that defense so frustrating to have to play against. 2015 Dolphins, Joe Philbin is fired midway through the season after they go to Europe or they go to London. Come back. Dan Campbell, the tight ends coach, is interim coach. Ben Johnson is now the tight ends coach. Ben Johnson, who's now the innovator in Detroit. Zach Taylor is the offensive coordinator. And Luana Rumo is a defensive coordinator. I did not know that until this interview. That is fascinating. That's a deep dive. We, have. I mean, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like the the vague memories of when Dan Campbell took over are not something that is that I would be able to recall if I were on a Jeopardy game. It would not come up for me, unfortunately. So it all goes back to Jeopardy. Anyway, thanks to Coach Lou. Uh, Bengals are always going to be in the mix. Even when they were 0-2 or 1-2, and it was like, they're, they're going to be players when it matters most. If Burroughs' calf is healthy, they'll be in there. And then, of course, they rattle off two in a row against two good teams. That's where they are. Now, we love to give love to those who love us. It's time for Delivering Results, presented by Uber Eats. I'm going to discuss a team or a player that delivered from this week's games. And do you know who I'm going with right now? I'm going with... The New York Jets, and I'm going specifically with the New York Jets defense, which stepped it up despite not having DJ Reed or Sauce Gardner. Guys like Jordan Whitehead making huge plays, and then in the biggest moment, Tony Adams. Tony Adams, an undrafted free agent out of Illinois in his second year, playing safety, having to move all around. 
talked to Robert Sala. He said they had only four active dressed cornerbacks for this game against an Eagles offense that had been lighting up the league. They go into battle and they find a way. Both Williams brothers, Quincy and Quinnen, fantastic. C.J. Mosley all over the field. Jermaine Johnson looking like a first-round pick. Defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich. The New York Jets defense for finding a way to get the key turnovers when needed, intercepting Jalen Hurts three times, and giving the Jets just enough chance to go and get that win Sunday against the Eagles. They are the recipients of the Delivering Results Award presented by Uber Eats. That was Delivering Results presented by Uber Eats, where you can get almost, almost anything. The official on-demand delivery partner of the NFL. Go ahead and order now. Aaron, set your DVR October 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern, Celebrity Jeopardy, my ass versus Mira Sorvino's ass versus Adam Rodriguez's ass. I just wanted to curse on this podcast and get you guys fired up. Uh, A great episode as always. Aaron, please root me on. Uh, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a printout of state capitals, geometry, uh, cloud formations, and uh, Roman Napoleon, yeah, Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte, yeah, Bonaparte. and Henry VIII's wives. Like a spoiler alert, not a single question about Waterloo, and I was ready, dude. I was so ready. Uh, this is another episode of the season with Peter Schrager. Many thanks to you, Aaron Wong Kaufman, my great producer, to Jason English, who is like uh, the core four here. The three of us, we're, every week we're together. That we're doing this. I jokingly said that uh, we're trying to get to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, take the jokingly aside. If we want to get a GoFundMe page, we need to get to Super Bowl. Let's go for it. Let's make it happen. Uh, let's bring this thing on the road. Let's see what we can do. Uh, Meredith Batten, who stopped by today, she's our mastermind uh, out in LA, a, a Michigan alum, and she got to go to see her Wolverines kick Indiana's ass this weekend, and that was cool for her. To everyone in uh, the audience, so appreciate you guys listening to your friends and uh, Bengals fans if this is the first time tuning in welcome The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.